has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You're listening to the Scavenger UK podcast, part of the Galaxy of Toys Network. Welcome to episode three. Yes, it's the third of the prequels, so the best of the bunch. This is a good one. Uh, An awesome interview with a familiar UK collector. You may have heard of him before. Also, a history of lightsaber toys, news from May, and also some great reviews as well. And of course, that quoting segment. So, what happened in May? May the 4th happened, of course. The force was strong in Oxford Street Disney Store. Folks were lining up outside for mm, about two hours, uh, waiting to meet Warwick Davis. Yes, I got a great autograph and a nice picture as well, and obviously a nice little chat with Warwick. Um, Great guy, great ambassador for the Star Wars fans there. Um, What else have we got? Kathleen Kennedy and Gareth Edwards were announced as being at Celebration Europe, and there's going to be an interview on the Friday, the 15th of July. So look out for that, and buy your tickets if you haven't already. And oddly enough, we were also told when and where the next celebration would be. What? Apparently Orlando, which is great for the US, obviously. Um, But this is a little bit annoying, really. I mean, what happened last celebration? Uh, We were announced that the next celebration was going to be in London. Um, Quite rightly, they had their celebration first of all, and then we get to have ours or not really because they're now announcing Orlando and everyone's getting excited about Orlando um, when it could should kind of be our time to shine really shouldn't it I mean I don't know whether any, anyone else agrees or comment please um, just want to hear your views on it it's great for the US guys I mean obviously that's that's amazing for them um, and, and I'm really happy for them it's on Orlando because it's a great venue you know um, but We've got London first, so uh, I'm really looking forward to that one. There's that guy from somewhere as well uh, that's been announced as the lead for Han Solo uh, in the Solo movie. Um, Not sure how I feel about that. I'm not one of these fans who kind of gets irate over Star Wars stuff anyway over social media. Um, So I'll probably just keep my thoughts to myself, really. Um, I mean... I'm not too fussed, whoever it is really, as long as they do a good job. Um, But I'm sure whether he's good or whether he's bad, I'm sure he's going to get a lot of stick. So unfortunately, it's, um, you know, he's just got to be prepared for that, really. Um, Hopefully the storyline is going to be pretty good and we'll be able to connect with the character as well. We also had the release of the first four Star Wars show episodes. Uh, Episode one, there was a great interview with the director of... Warcraft. And then episode two, uh, we had a an interview with some band. Um, hmm. Um, not sure what happened there. It's it was uh, seven minutes of Star Wars, and uh, some of it was not. Um, I was a little bit disappointed by the first and second episodes, unfortunately. Uh, at the time of recording, um, that's all we've had so far. But um, very soon to have the next one uh, tomorrow, I believe it is, uh, on the 25th. So we'll see if there's a Star Wars interview there somewhere. Hopefully there is. Um, I'm hoping for Filoni, because he, uh, he was teased on the first one, banging on the, uh, 
banging on the wall. Um, but it is a really nice show. You get to see a lot of the uh, cool collectibles. There's some stuff coming out on there. Uh, you get to name the little mouse droid. And you also get to see inside Skywalker Ranch as well. So that's pretty cool as well in itself. It's probably the closest I'll ever get to actually going there. Sad face. And uh, yeah. Oh, and they talked about Kitster as well. So Kitster fans, uh, if you like that little boy from episode one. Yep. And that was it. He was only in episode one. But he had quite a few words, actually. And no figure, bless him. So, uh, yeah, hopefully. Maybe they'll get him on for an interview in the future. That would be cool. Um, anyway, what else do we have? Ah, <laughs> yes. Uh, Jabba Flow. <laughs> one of the most sought-after songs from Star Wars is now available on iTunes. Um, so everyone's been talking about this and how it was... Uh, how it was actually announced, uh, which was pretty cool. Um, but in fact, it was already on a certain awesome album. Um, now, this one's actually called Star Wars Headspace, and it actually came out in 2015 as well, but sometime before The Force Awakens. So I don't know whether any of you have actually um, picked up this CD, um, but it's actually really good. It's kind of psychedelic kind of music, uh, and it's all DJs um, playing with remixes of popular Star Wars characters and themes. And guess what? Jabba Flow is one of them. Okay, so here it is, Jabba Flow, the Rick Rubin rework. Starts off kind of cool, and then there's the Jabba Jabba. It gets better. Oh yeah, here we go. Ah. Uh, uh. Yeah. Aren't you glad I'm not a DJ, eh? You've got to listen to the whole thing, really. It's, uh, it's really good. There's some nice kind of... Um, there's some nice kind of features in there uh, from the actual song. Uh, you've got the DJ guy actually uh, chatting away there. And it's really, really cool actually. I'll let you have a little uh, have a little listen to that. I'm just skipping through. See if we can get to the good bits there. There he is. really good i really like it actually um yeah star wars headspace is the cd to get so uh, i think it's only like 9.99 on itunes so it's really really good um i would get it in a second uh it's got that jabba flow it's a lot more interesting than the um than the original which actually happens in maz Kanata. um you listen to this one and you could imagine those same aliens in the same cantina just going nuts on the dance floor just like hands in the air you know like, they just don't care. So, yeah, Jabba Flow, Star Wars Headspace, really, really cool. And that's it for the news in May. <laughs> There's more magazines this month. Star Wars Rebels magazine returns with issue 18 with a free gift of a wrist shooter. 
for the comic uh, by Martin Fisher, as always, the rebels respond to a distress call from an Imperial Academy ship, and we get into the heads of a few of the cadets which are on board. Um, so it is pretty interesting, so have a little read. Um, the magazine's also full of uh, the usual puzzles and fact files etc um, so do pick it up it's out on the 18th of May uh, to the 28th of June also we have the Star Wars Lego magazine which continues uh, and that one actually comes with a mini AAT tank that's the battle droid tank from episode 1 a really cool little tank there not one but two awesome comics um, written by Christian Hector based in the original and Rebels timelines, so these have the usual enthusiasm and comedy of all the Lego films and programs. There's also the usual fun of puzzles, posters, and also a competition to win Poe Dameron's Black X-Wing in Lego. Last of the funky magazines is Star Wars Adventures for the older kids. Uh, this issue comes with Star Wars stickers, tops, attacks cards and a BB-8 droid extension arm. With stickers, activities and more puzzles than you can swing a lightsaber at. Uh, it's great fun. This issue's Legends comic is all about Jar Jar saving the day in the kitchens of the Naboo Palace of all places. Oh, and there's a really nice poster of Ray and Finn on the Falcon as well. So, for the main report this month, I wanted to cover a subject very close to my heart. Uh, is the lightsabers so yeah i wanted to talk a little bit in regards to their history uh, in toys and the way the collecting and toys are to date as well so when star wars first came out for some reason the toy companies just didn't kind of get it no one was really making and selling a lightsaber toy until a bootleg maker came along and created the beam saber so these were actually first seen in uh, comics and magazines and there was a funky little advert for a beam saber. Um, it was simply a glorified light uh, torch. Um, it had a red handle and a white blade which lit up when you switched it on. So this was the first kind of incarnation of the lightsaber for fans to sink their teeth into. It was then a small company um, called Kenner which followed up with an ingenious inflatable lightsaber. It's the new Star Wars lightsaber from Kenner. Inflation required, batteries not included. You can pretend you have powers when you switch on Kenner's Star Wars lightsaber. Ready to feel the force? Yeah! Switch on your Star Wars lightsabers. Close your eyes and go. I got it. Me too. Zach, you passed the test. The force is with you. Star Wars lightsaber, new from Kenner. Balloons not included. Yep, this one had a yellow blade and was pretty good, um, apart from the fact that you'd have to blow it up every time you wanted to play with it. So, not very civilised in a civilised age, uh, but safe for kids to thwack each other and not get hurt. Takara, a Japanese manufacturer, came along and gave kids the Force Saber. Uh, this was ingenious still. Uh, to create a signature whooshing sounds of the lightsaber, it had holes in the end of the blade. So as you swung it, the air would enter in the tube and exit, and it would make an eerie sort of 
sort of sound. Not totally unlike the films, but far enough that other companies wanted to get involved as well. So these ones came initially in yellow and red. Unfortunately I can't speak from experience about these sabers I've just mentioned. However, there is one from way back that I can talk about. Uh, it was one from, I think, Palatoy. Um, it could have been Kenner as well, I'm not too sure. Um, which actually had a blue handle and it also had a glow-in-the-dark blade. And this one wasn't extendable, um, but it did light up. So again, it was just like a glorified torch with a blade on the end of it. But as far as I can see, over the internet, I cannot see it anywhere at all. So uh, I'm going to try and find pictures and pop them up on social media and see if anybody else remembers them. Uh, so do let me know about that. Um, of course, if you do remember these sabers as well, if you could please email me, that would be fantastic. Now, I for the galaxy with the incredible weapons of the Jedi Knights, the Luke Skywalker lightsaber and the new Darth Vader lightsaber, both with blazing extendable light blades and three real movie sounds, Slash and Strike, Star Wars lightsabers. Better not include each old so Star Wars was kind of forgotten um, in the media during the dark times uh, we'd not had any more lightsabers pop up uh, but now they were coming up with the special editions so this was kind of igniting the lightsabers within fandom as it were. So they came out with uh, the power of the force lightsabers and these now had light and three sounds so they had the hum, the clash and uh, the turning on and off as well. Um, so these were great. I mean, these were extendable blades, uh, which you could either get in Luke Skywalker from Return of the Jedi or Darth Vader. Personally, I only had Luke's, but still very cool. Star Wars electronic lightsabers. Which side will you choose? The side of Anakin Skywalker or the dark side of Darth Tyrannus? With clashing sounds and light-up blades, the Force is in your hands with Star Wars electronic lightsabers, each sold separately. Next came uh, the electronic lightsabers which were released with the Attack of the Clones film. So you could choose from Anakin's or Count Dooku's in this case. And then you had, with reference to the release of the Clone Wars TV series, we got Obi-Wan Kenobi's Episode 1 and Episode 3 sabers, plus a red and green generic saber. And now these also had uh, motion sensors, including uh, as well as the light and the sound. The lightsaber, legendary weapon of the Jedi and the Sith. You've mastered other lightsabers, but none like this. Force action lightsabers instantly launch your blade with a flurry of light and sound. With your Obi-Wan, Luke Skywalker, or Lord Vader, the power of the Force is in your hands. Force action lightsabers. <laughs> Force action sabers um, were a line of not only lights and sounds, but they now extended from the actual hilts themselves, uh, and they also had motion sensors. The Force Unleashed Lightsaber, the only lightsaber that lets you unleash both sides of the Force. A color-changing blade and spring-open Sith spikes let you choose your destiny. Star Wars, the Force Unleashed Lightsaber. Because of the Force Unleashed video game which was released, they came out with the lightsaber that Starkiller had and it actually had an extendable blade, lights and sound of course and an added bonus of a change of colour and it also popped up the spikes as well which was pretty cool. Now somewhere along the lines there was also a range uh, which had no sound but extended from inside the hilt so these were just plastic and you could extend those uh, blades from the hilts. 
Of course, there was also the Build Your Own Lightsaber Kits, uh, which actually came in the original trilogy, so you could make, you know, Yoda and Anakin, etc. Uh, and then there was also a re-release uh, for the Clone Wars, which let you create a Ton Far type lightsaber if you're uh, experienced in martial arts at all. Uh, Ton Far is like a uh, kind of T-shape. Um, so yeah, those are pretty good as well. Also, in between all of these, um, the lightsabers actually got quite serious and were being created for the collectors and very hardcore fans, uh, in metal in fact. Master Replicas released an array of sabers uh, before they actually went bust in 2007. Um, but while they were in play, uh, this line of sabers were amazing. They were beautiful replicas. Uh, the LED string blades were really, really bright and um, looked like they actually extended from the hill when they were turned on. Uh, the sounds were amazing as well, so uh, the motion sensors as well were really, really improved uh, on the plastic sabers. So really, really fun to play with, but not quite dual worthy. EFX shortly took over uh, after the 2007 bust of uh, Master Replicas, and these ones were just as amazing and gorgeous pieces, of course, uh, to behold with their nice looking stands as well. Uh, but they didn't actually have sound or anything else, they were literally uh, hardcore collector's kind of items. Then we got some uh, amazing lightsabers, these were non extending blades, uh, still motion and uh, light and sound and these were plastic replicas uh, and these are now called ultimate effects lightsabers a battle that started a long time ago over a thousand generations the jedi knights were the guardians of peace and split the galaxy in two you underestimate the power of the dark side. That battle is yours to finish. Armed with the new Ultimate Effects lightsaber. With new power-up light effects. And a new brighter blade. It has the power to unleash your inner Jedi Master. Or Sith Lord. Whether dark side. Or light side. Your greatest challenge awaits. new lightsaber battles are just beginning. Do or do not. There is no try. The fate of the Force is in your hands. The new Star Wars Ultimate Effects lightsaber, each sold separately. Ignite the fight. They had string blades as well, um, which were really bright, bright as well, and the sounds were ten times better uh, than the older kind of extendable blades. Um, and these they made in the old Luke and uh, Jedi Luke hilts as well as Vader, Obi-Wan, and now also uh, Kylo Ren has joined into the mix as well. And nowadays, obviously, uh, Disney have decided to get into the action. Now they've uh, taken over the uh, license and the, and the films, of course. Um, so now they're actually introducing a new line, which includes uh, Anakin, or Rey, uh, however you look at them, uh, Vader, Yoda, and Kylo Ren. Um, and they all light up systematically as well. Uh, the Kylo Ren one uh, lights up systematically, uh, like it does in the film. Uh, these again also have light, sound, motion swings and also have the added bonus of when you strike or tackle another Disney saber they clash and fizz like in the movies uh, so it just works by bending the blade slightly. 
Lastly, a shout out to the geniuses behind Blade Builders. Uh, so these are also out at the same time. Um, these now come in uh, electric and non-electric, which allows the builder to create their ultimate sabers using uh, different connectors. Uh, so you can attach two Kylo Ren lightsabers together, for instance, and you can get some crazy designs. So. Do let me know if I've missed any uh, of the lightsabers over the years. Uh, I know there's been quite a few, so I'm sure I'm missing uh, a few of these in between. I just wanted to give you really uh, a feel of how the lightsabers in the toy world have kind of evolved over the years. Ultra Sabers, Saber Forge, JQ Sabers in the UK, of course, uh, are building their own lightsabers now, and it won't be long before a new UK power will arise. Uh, so stay tuned on Kickstarter for Euro Sabers going live in June. So hopefully, when this goes live, the Kickstarter will have already started. So do, do, do check them out on Kickstarter. That's Euro Sabers. So without boring you with copious amounts of new lightsaber companies uh, opening and closing every day, uh, just a note that there are loads on the net, specifically uh, Facebook. So you can see lots of different ones on there. Uh, there's also lots of different forums that you can join as well. But if you are going to buy either a custom or replica saber uh, by a Facebook company perhaps, then please just do your homework first. Uh, join forums, scour Facebook, um, hell, ask questions to everyone. I'm sure there's others in the same boat as you as well if you are looking for a decent lightsaber, uh, be it plastic or um, one of the nice metal ones which are out there. So here it is, my first interview. I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. I'd like to introduce Mark Newbold. He's the contributor to the Star Wars Insider, owner and co-host of the awesome podcast Radio 1138 on the Jedi News Network, and also a writer for the Diagostini Build the Millennium Falcon. Welcome, Mark. Hiya, that was a good intro. You got everything in there. Well, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mark, just firstly, I mean, welcome to the show, obviously. When did you first get into Star Wars and, like, the whole collecting scene? When I started getting Star Wars stuff, first things first, obviously, we got Star Wars late 77, so like 26th, 27th of December, I think it launched in the UK. So we were right at the back end of that year. And everybody was focused on, it was 77, so we just had the Silver Jubilee and the Sex Pistols had been in the charts and Charlie Chaplin had just died. And it was a different world then, but Star Wars kind of creeps into the UK but that being said we knew it was coming because people had been hearing about it all summer because it was such a massive smash in the States but I was thinking when you start getting stuff as a kid you know you're not you don't collect in the same way that now me at 45 collects wouldn't compare myself to Sansweet or Gus Lopez or any of those collector guys because they are proper inverted commas collectors whereas I, mm. I just collect stuff but to your point for me it started with issue six of star wars weekly my mom's best friend used to live over the road and they bought me or marilyn bought me issue six of star wars weekly so that was the first thing i really remember physically owning i knew my mom's brother had the novel my dad's brother had the soundtrack and but that was probably into 78 i'm thinking the comic which was probably around about easter time of 78 when i pretty much when i saw the film that would have been where it all kicks off for me. But when it was a collectible, or rather when it was part of a collection, 
Honestly, I don't know, because I used to collect the Marvel comics. I was into collecting stuff. I don't know what it was, but I did kind of gather things. But wow. I don't know if you would consider it a collection. But I think the comics, everybody got the figures, the Palatoy figures, and that built. So I suppose I did have a collecting gene in there. But I don't know when you would consider, maybe it's an age thing. I don't know whether kids now yeah. who are seven or eight think of themselves as collectors. That's a, re- that's a good question. For me, um, it was all about um, probably after Return of the Jedi coming out. Because yeah. uh, I'm a little bit younger. I was born in uh, 82, so I kind of missed a lot of Star Wars. Um, and the only time that I got round to it is when I must have been about six or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Return of the Jedi had been and gone and, you know, all of the toys had been out and probably starting to go out of it again, really. Mm. Um and then, and then I started sort of seeing them in, in the shops and, you know, at second-hand stores and stuff like that. So um, it was, yeah, again, with me as well, it was all about, you know, the toys. Um, and they were all out of the box, of course. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, when when for you, I mean, did um, were you, like, into teens and stuff like that? I mean, did you ever think about of, like, keeping them in boxes? And That's a good question. The figures, no. Although I, I used to work in a toy shop. I used to work for Toy Master as like a part-time right. job when I was a kid. So yeah. I was like 16, 17, worked in a toy shop for a year. Great job. And and it, I was the only boy that worked there. All the rest were women and girls. So we had a really good laugh. Yeah. But I can still remember the guy that run the shop, Mr. Kerwin, had a box upstairs. And it was a big sort of, I don't know, two foot by two foot by three foot deep box. Just full of vintage Star Wars figures. Uh, but, but bear in mind, this is sort of 87 into 88. Nobody cared. And he was, he's, he was, oh, I can't get rid of these. I, you know, I can't put them on the shelves and nobody wants them. And I, I never knew what happened to them. And in my head, I already had them. Yeah. And I look back now and think he would have been a staff member as well. And he can't, he kind of liked me. I think he would have probably let me have them for like 25p a figure. I could have probably wow. bought, like, it was probably the back end. It was like all the power of the force stuff that he just didn't think would sell. You sure. know, and whatever happened to them, whichever lucky beggar got those, I, <laughs> I envy. <laughs> But you don't know in the moment. You just don't know. Um, no, that's right. Yeah, but you coming in at, uh, at, to that era, sort of 82, for me, it being into it, it was funny. Star Wars, I remember being a big deal as a kid because my dad took me. Empire, my friend's dad, run a cinema in Burton-on-Trent, so we went to see it at the Burton Odeon yeah. in a double bill with Herbie Goes Bananas. Wow. You would not put those two films together generally. I, no, maybe not. Uh, but uh, but but I, you know, I, I don't. I remember going. I remember the whole thing. I remember speaking to the secretary in the office before we went in for our free showing and getting a tub of ice cream and choking on a fly. I distinctly remember choking on a fly and trying to speak to this woman and just feeling like a complete idiot because I couldn't get my words out. Um, <laughs> but but Jedi was so much more of a huge deal. You know, when we say everyone was looking forward to Revenge of the Sith and obviously we'll all be looking forward to Episode 9 and the anticipation, the sense of anticipation. But for me as a kid, you know, because the weekly comic was a monthly comic when it was Empire and it went back to a weekly for Jedi and, you know, and there was more sci-fi magazines and by the time Jedi came out, I was like 12, so I was a bit more sophisticated than what I was reading. you got to say, even though it's way before the internet ever, you know, took off publicly, but, you know, you kind of got a sense. And also between your friends, because everybody was a Star Wars fan back then, well, most people were. You got the sense that this film's coming, what's going to happen. Everyone was hypothesising about what would happen on the screen. So it's funny, Empire's my favourite film, but I don't remember being hugely excited about seeing Empire like I was about Star Wars and was to a massive degree about Jedi. Wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jedi was uh, 
as I said, the first one that I saw. Um, and we had a guy who used to come round uh, on a little van round our streets. Yeah. Uh, and you literally got into the back of his van, had a little look at all the VHSs yeah. that were lined up. And uh, yeah, you could <laughs> borrow them sort of thing. And then uh, and that's how I got into the Star Wars films, really. Um, so I borrowed all of those. And then the Ewok films were obviously out as yeah. well as I got older. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that, that kind of... I'd say it rekindled my love, but I never really lost it lost at that it. point because yeah. it was always it was always in focus then. Um, but obviously, then there were the dark times, and uh, it was very like scarce, and no one was really talking about it. And then episode one came along, and then it was massive again. Yeah. And then there was that whole great big sort of influx of figures and everything else. And then I guess for me that was when when I first started collecting them in the box is that kind of the same with you or yeah I mean for episode one by the time I mean I think when when you're a kid I mean I still remember having all my my ships and figures and and all the bits and bobs laid out in my bedroom in in basically in dioramas and I so wish that I took photographs back then because you didn't have now I could snap the whole my whole collection room in five minutes with my mobile phone but back then to have a camera with a film it was more of an investment of, of time and money so I just didn't do it and I wish I had but by the time episode one came out, I was like 28 when episode one came out, so I wasn't going to open the figures. I didn't have the room to display them in the same way, so I thought, well, I'll keep the, the ones that I got. And they didn't buy a huge amount, to be fair, of episode one figures, but uh -huh. the ones I did buy I kept on the cards, and they're still on the cards. And sometimes I look and think, oh, that'd be quite cool to get it out, but then I know, again, the way my display setup is it's not laid out for figures to be out of the cards if that makes sense yeah uh, it's and it's not a snobbery of i want them mint on card because they're far from being in mint condition I, but mint condition uh, doesn't really matter particularly to me i just like to have it which have is why them, yeah. we, you know what i mean so when i see yeah. things i think well, I, I want to own that whatever it may be maybe be it a book or a comic and my brain says well i've got it now i can always upgrade if I want mm -hmm. to get a better quality version, so yeah. so the whole mint on card thing, it was nice, doesn't doesn't that's that's not what drives me on. So, mm -hmm. and you wouldn't call yourself a completist then? It's just the stuff that you kind of particularly oh, yeah. like that you would collect then. Yeah, I mean, with with the books, for example, um, that's probably the one area where I really do try and be as as you know on it as possible. So mm. I've got this ridiculous habit. I mean, I've got I've probably got fifteen at least 15 different prints of the original Star Wars novel. Wow. U U US paperbacks, hardbacks, UK the same, you know, because they keep getting re-released and re-released. So I'm pretty yeah. pretty full on with those. So I'll try and get, when the new novel comes out, I'll try and get a UK paperback and hardback and a US paperback and hardback and then a Legends reprint if I can. And I've got a long way to go because there's so much stuff to get. Mm. But that's, that's, that's one thing I do try and stay on. And I've got at least one copy of every single Star Wars novel adult mm -hmm. novel that's been released on them working through the kids you know the young jedi knights and and yeah. um galaxy of fear and all that i'm working through those now um mm -hmm. but uh, but with other stuff yeah it's it's much more um not in a not in a i don't care sense but i don't really get hung up if i don't have a complete run of things i mean comics yeah. you tend yeah you can put comics in order you know you're going to pretty much catch all of those and, and with the comics at the moment, it's put, you know, unless you are like an uber mega monster collector, you're never going to have every version of Marvel Star Wars issue one, mm -hmm. because there was, you know, with the, with the actual comic and the seven reprints, seven or eight reprints, you know, and and all the variant versions, it's just ridiculous amount. There's probably only a couple of three people on the planet have got every single one of those, so I get what I can. Yeah. And it's the same with other stuff, you know. I like collecting the DVDs and Blu-rays, you know, the different covers of those, and mm -hmm. you know, but. Um, 
but I've got no focus. That's my problem with my collection is um, there's no one specific thing I would say that's my focus. So, for example, James would probably say if he had to pick, he would say Lego was his focus. Matt Booker, who does stuff on Jedi News and, and one of the co-hosts on Take Cover, he would probably say that Boba Fett, the character, is his focus, which covers a broad church of, mm. of products. Tons of stuff. Tons of stuff. Brian is a comics guy, so that's his focus. I don't have a focus. I probably should, really. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, I mean, um, I, that was one of my questions, actually, that I needed to ask you. I mean, yeah. um, what what is your um, preferred sort of area of collecting that you would go to? I guess, would that be the books then? or? I guess it would. I mean, I've always been interested in the, the you know, the paper-related stuff, you know. So, mm. Bantha Tracks was a huge deal for me as a kid. And now writing for The Insider, to me, in my head, you know, it's a continuation of The Insider, you know, of the uh, Bantha Tracks, rather, you know, because that was such a staple of being a yeah. Star Wars fan in the late 70s, early 80s, right through to sort of 87 when it finished. Um, so that's a big thing for me. And there's still things I'm chasing up there, you know, little bits and bobs that, you know, the official Lucasfilm magazine, there's still issues missing. I don't mind that. I kind of like it. Uh, I like coming across stuff that I've been chasing for years. I'll give you one example. Uh, last weekend, I went down to visit Paul Bateman good yep. friend of mine so paul we were just chit-chatting we spent the day down there talking about all sorts of stuff and paul's the kind of guy whilst he's got some awesome things if he's got a a film for example he's far more bothered about having the film itself that he can watch on his computer than physically owning the film itself you know owning a video or a dvd or whatever it might be me because he knows how i'm wired you know i've got like four or five different versions of making of star wars from the uk and the us yeah I've never been able to find the making of Empire Strikes Back. SPFX, the making of Empire. It wow. came out in about 83, 84, maybe early, maybe 82. And it was in an issue of Band of the Tracks, maybe the American cover. But, you know, it was a cover nevertheless. And I've looked for it for years and years and years and never found it. Wow. And it's the okay. one little holy, it was one of those little holy grail things that I wanted. And I got it off him at the weekend. He just said, oh, you, you're welcome to it, mate. I'd rather it went to a good home where it's going to be loved. And you know, and I was Amazing. totally blown away. And there's always these little things over the years. Because I think the thrill of the chase is more satisfying than the catch sometimes. Yeah. Because once you've got it, you look at it, you go, oh, wow, I've got it, I've got it. And then, you know, you put it away. And But I've got to say, I've spent the whole last <laughs> three or four days just walking past my shelf looking at that video because I'm <laughs> so made up. So that endorphin rush makes it all worthwhile. Amazing, excellent. Yeah, with reference to uh, your collection, um, it obviously spans uh, lots of different areas. Yeah. Um, and I mean, what would be if you had to pick one item, um, but get rid of absolutely everything else? <laughs> what would that be, and why would you choose that item? <laughs> okay, I remember Sansweet being asked this question, and he said oh, really? every time he's asked it, he says it's a different answer because over the, over time things take precedence over other things but sure. look, there is actually one thing that i probably would there's i'll, I'll narrow it down to three and, and then i'll tell you what number one is number mm. number three would be my original death star george which is the first figure i ever bought i don't actually own that original copy of issue six of star wars anymore i bought i see i rebought it many years later because i lost yeah. a few of my issues so i don't own that that would be it and my original copy of the novel that my uncle gave me, that got traded up for a better copy. Because as a kid, you don't think to keep it. You just want to get no. a better copy and, and let mm. it go. Um, I've still got my original vinyl Star Wars album that I bought off my uncle in 1979 for a pound. So I've still Whoa. got that. So that would be up there. But it would be back in 97. And I still can't believe this happened. Ralph McQuarrie came over and went to memorabilia at the NEC and did a signing. And it was one of the very few occasions that he did events from what i understand yeah. yeah and and i was lucky enough to get in the queue 
at just a time when I think some people had wobbled off to get, grab a sandwich. It was that sort of lunchtime break uh-huh. feel. Went to his table, and I had the hardback first print of Art of Star Wars, the, the Ballantine, the Del Rey book, and uh, issue 15 of Bantha Tracks, which if, I don't know if you've seen it, but on the cover, it's because it's, it was just like a fold-out magazine, but yeah. on the cover, it was black and white picture of Ralph painting a, a snowscape. It was one of the snowscapes from Empire. And it's oh. just a picture of him with a roller in hand, just looking over his shoulder at the camera. Brilliant picture. And I took these two things up. Now, at the time, they just yeah, the portfolio has always been a huge thing for Macquarie fans. So loads of people were getting that to be signed. Uh, I think the Kevin J. Anderson book he'd done, the Illustrated Star Wars Universe, I think that was probably around at that time. Uh, he'd also released a little book. It's a beautiful little, um, well, a box. Uh, and inside were sets of stamps and postcards, a special Macquarie thing. Beautiful. Oh, wow. He was signing loads of them. But I put down these two items, and he stopped what he was doing, and, and he said, oh, I haven't seen these for years. And he opens up the book, and he's flicking through the book. Oh, yeah, I remember drawing that, and I remember drawing that. And he signed the book, uh, and then he looked at the Bantha tracks, and he says, wow, I, uh, wow, I, can't, I probably haven't seen this since 1980, when, it, you know, when the issue came out, 8081. So he was absolutely fascinated. And the sweet thing was, I had a five-minute conversation i couldn't tell you what we talked about it was very much just i was quite in awe obviously it's ralph Macquarie, one of the holy trinity of star wars you know Macquarie, lucas and williams and i'm thrilled to bits that we had this conversation went to pay for the autographs i think it was like a five for an autograph or something ridiculous like that and the guy says oh no just give me five i went really he went yeah ralph said just just take five he said he was thrilled to sign something different to what he'd been signing all day and he hadn't seen them and it gave him something to to think about and chat about so that was such a special moment as a star wars fan that that's just unique really to me anyway mm. um if i could only grab one thing and there's quite a few things in here but if i could only grab one thing uh, it would probably be that hardback art of star wars i think that's amazing yeah incredible incredible guy he was yeah mm. great guy um okay so i mean that's awesome um what is your favorite trilogy favorite trilogy oh i would still say the original trilogy and I've got very high hopes for the prequel trilogy. I yep. mean, there's plenty of things that they didn't quite get right with The Force Awakens, but it had such a great vibe and such a, mm. a great feel and such an awesome cast. I've got to say, the charm of the cast got you past a few of the the, the, the avoidable little quirky errors that they made that, that they yeah. probably shouldn't have done. So I think Force Awakens has set it up very, very nicely. But by, by the same token... I love the prequels. It was, and people still bash it, and it frustrates me so badly. It's, it was Star Wars, you know, when we never thought we were going to get a, a prequel trilogy, let alone a sequel trilogy. Yeah. They're, they're brilliantly crafted films. They're on the edge of the technology at the time. I know that gets that gets knocked these days for what Lucas was trying to do, but you know he was trying to push not just Star Wars technology but movie technology, and he did. Exactly, and I don't yeah. think the world's ever caught up with his vision. Uh, and I don't think he'll be appreciated for what he was trying to do for a long time. Mm. He'll probably be gone by the time people realise what he was trying to do. Um, and they told a story that my gut tells me, older fans who were reading that novel back in 76 when it came out and 77 when it came to the UK and all that stuff, you know, people who read those things in the old comics and Ben Kenobi's speech in The Hut to Luke, how could you not want to see the prequels? How could you not mm. want to know what happened in that battle by the lava pit and how the emperor corrupted the republic from within and all the things you read in the preface you know the journal of the world's preface to the novel how can you not want to see that so okay some people didn't like that he used uh, using a young anakin and uh, yeah you could argue oh maybe he should have been a bit older or why did they do him as a kid well you can't show the fall of a character any better than showing him as an innocent boy 
right through to a, a, a sort of a callow youth and then a, a you know a, a guy in his early 20s who's just you know just loses his mind to love and lust and loss you know yeah. they do it's a broad stroke but it conveys why vader went the way vader went i love yeah. the prequels so I, I i would happily stand up and defend the prequels but but if you had to put it on me and say which one could i pick it would be the originals because they are pretty much perfect yeah excellent excellent you've probably answered this already and i think ralph is going to come up again um <laughs> your favorite kind of collectible that, that you found that's a good question um but in terms of star wars it would have to be and this was oh i could slap myself on this one it was bantha tracks issue one and when i started collecting bantha tracks i think i came in on a roundabout it would have been about 82 83 maybe the cusp of 82 into 83 so probably issue 17 18 something like that it was a Stuart freeborn cover it was a green cover i remember that well and straight away because it was based in malden in essex the uk fan club you could easily send off the back issues um and my mom and dad were pretty firm with me with pocket money so i had to save and do it properly they bought me the comics because i was reading so that was good but the you know stuff like that i had to sort myself so i went and got a load of back issues and they did a collected um sort of um best of issues one to four but never could find issue one so i managed at one point for, for probably 15 plus years i'd got issues of banter tracks issues two to issues i think 35 never got the last one never got the first one uh, i found the last issue about four years ago so i'd got everything but the first issue went to a uh, farthest from event dave trees farthest from at fording bridge uh-huh. i'm a friend matt booker who just mentioned who does stuff on jedi news and, and the podcast network he was dealing he got a table there and he got a whole bunch of ephemera as we call it just paper stuff fiddly uh-huh. party paper stuff nine out of ten people will just ignore it i love yeah. that stuff so i'm going through the box and i see issue one of bantha tracks my brain <clears throat> doesn't cotton on that this is issue one of bantha tracks i think it's it's one of the facsimiles of issue one that was in the sansweet scrapbook i'm thinking this can't be the real thing this must be the a copy of so i pay it no heed go away come back about six months later dave uh, brought matt's there at the next show and i'm going through again and i pull it out and he says and he said to me oh. you need issue one of bantha tracks don't you he says yeah because well what are you why aren't you picking this up it's right there are you mad and i went what that's the actual one yeah that's the actual one mark how much do you want for wow. it and he charged me a ridiculously low price because he's crazy and he's yeah. a mate and i'll love him forever for it so and it there you go that, that completed my collection so that would probably be and there's been other great finds i mean i got a first print of the paperback from 76 of star wars american print getting that was a huge deal yeah. you know but that bantha tracks because bantha tracks means so much to me that was a real massive moment back then and it's a different world we've got the internet now we've got podcasts now we, we can yeah. talk however many miles apart we are yeah. we both converse with people in the states and around the world so it's it, communication is different now but the thing about bantha tracks was when that dropped in your letterbox and you opened it up and you started reading it, you really did. And I, I was a kid, but you really did feel like you were communicating with Lucasfilm, even though they never personally phoned you or contacted you or any of that. Um, it felt like you were really involved in and being brought into this secret little shop. Yeah. You know, and on telly you'd watch Making of Star Wars or Making of Empire or um, you know, Classic Creatures or Star Wars to Jedi, whatever it might be, or, or any of the UK documentaries. There was always, like, Horizon were always doing things and... You know, there's all these great shows, um, but that magazine, more than pretty much anything, made you feel like you were part of this special club. And yeah. I think that was a magic that they've never quite recreated. Stay tuned next month for part two. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> the official.
official Star Wars Helmet Collection. A unique series of one to five scale replica helmets from the most iconic characters in the Star Wars universe. Each helmet is faithfully reproduced in stunning detail with its own display case and stand, along with a fascinating magazine exploring each character's story. The Star Wars Helmet Collection is at newsagents now with your first helmet, Darth Vader, for $1.99. Diagostini. Okay, so as always, gloating remains heavily on the Diagostini Mini Helmet Collection. And this month, I've just taken delivery of the Attack Driver and General Grievous helmets. Uh, I've already posted these on the Galaxy of Toys network, uh, so do check those ones out there. Um, so these are £9.99 each, and both come with a magazine specifically talking about some cool facts for each of the helmets. There's a data file which shows a kind of x-ray of the both of them, as well as a scene selection from trilogies. Do check out these magazines, they are, can be sometimes hard to find in the shops, and I'm guessing as time passes by and we get down the line with the issues, I'm sure they will steadily kind of disappear, because that's what happened the last time. Uh, and what seems to happen with these, so unless you've got them on subscription, unless you've started a subscription, um, you may not see these in the shop. New Force Attacks trading card game from Tops. Challenge your friends. Master the Force. The fate of the galaxy is in your hands. Available now. Tops Attacks game and trading card collection. Uh, it's an amazing array of cards from Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. These cards are specifically uh, from the record-breaking film, and the idea behind them is that not only do you collect the amazing character and ship uh, cards, which can be limited edition, holographic, standard, and also puzzle cards. Um, so you can play these uh, in a few different game modes, um, and they've all got like attack and defense on them, so you can literally um, play trumps them with them if you wanted to as well, really, I guess. Um, so they're actually really nice cards. Um, they're very collectible, and there's lots to actually collect. Um, so what I'm doing now is giving away a load of these as a competition prize. Um, so you guys can all uh, win yourself a copy of an album. So you've got the plastic sleeves to put all of your card collection in. There is also a box of 24 packs, yes. So what do you need to do? Uh, get onto social media, onto your Facebook, uh, share the link to my uh, episode and also like the episode and uh, we will get a winner um, this is only available for my UK listeners unfortunately you guys get on and uh, share and like the uh, link there and uh, you can win yourself a load of tops trading cards okay so Star Wars Bloodline the newest addition to Star Wars books, uh, which are actually canon and not just legends, uh, is Bloodline by Claudia Gray. Um, 
Now, she started with the Lost Stars uh, novel uh, last year, I think it was, uh, coming up to The Force Awakens. And this was an amazing book. It had a really great response in social media and reviews on lots of different websites, etc. Um, and she's done it again, really. Um, Bloodline is fantastic. Um, I've not actually reached the end at the moment, but this is kind of my review um, so far. So, primarily... Um, it's based on the timeline uh, before episode 7 and really outlines the reason and I guess how the resistance was created. It centres on Leia and her staff while she was working on the New Republic Senate. Um, Leia goes on a few missions and you really get to understand the hierarchy of the Senate and how it actually kind of operates um, and how high Leia was actually in the chain of course. Um, I'd also say it puts a lot more weight on the destruction of Hosnian Prime as well because we get to learn some of those characters which are within the Senate and, and possibly in that scene just before they bit the dust. So yeah we also learn of some sympathizers of the Galactic Empire and how their downfall actually affected the galaxy at large as well. After reading the, this book, it's great to have learned some about what went wrong and also gain some of the emotional weight, uh, as I said, behind some of the scenes in Episode 7. Um, apparently the director of Episode 8 uh, had some direct input in the story as well, so I wonder if we'll actually be seeing a few of those characters in the new films. Star Wars Bloodline is out on the 24th of May in the UK, so probably at the time you're actually listening to this, it's already out. So um, it's on the hardback at the moment, and it's £19.99. On Amazon, it may be a little bit cheaper, um, but do have a little look at this one. It is really, really good. Um, I wouldn't say it's imperative to read, um, just so that you understand Episode 7 and everything that's maybe coming up, but um, it's really, really good read. Um, it is fantastic, and as I say, it does put uh, some of the other things that happened in the film into perspective as well. Just a few things cropping up this month, and it's mostly Lego. So Argos have just released uh, details of new Lego sets in their leaflets, and there's two new ships from the brand new lego series the freemaker adventures one of these being a black and red ship called the eclipse and this is actually flown by the sith lord or uh, sith inquisitor possibly uh, called nair bit of a strange name um, but she's also or he's also coupled uh, with dangar so the bounty hunter that made his first appearance in uh, Empire Strikes Back uh, on the bridge of uh, Darth Vader's Star Destroyer, sorry. Um, and yeah, so Dangar uh, will be making an appearance possibly in the series um, and he comes in this same set with the black and red ship, the Eclipse, uh, of riding a speeder bike. The second ship um, is the Freemaker's blue ship. Uh, it's blue and grey, and that's called the Star Scavenger. And this actually comes with four figures, I believe, uh, from the actual family, including Rowan, the youngest hero. Um, I don't know what the other two are called, uh, probably on a website somewhere, and also Trade Federation droid, um, who's been uh, reprogrammed, obviously, uh, called ROGR, I think it's called. Uh, so, Roger, quite funny. Um, so, yeah. 
there's also a brand new Resistance X-Wing fighter as well. Uh, so this is the blue and white ones, the Poe Dameron's... Uh, the rest of his team were uh, flying um, but yeah so uh, this one is also available uh, that one is 79.99 I should have told you the prices of the other two as well the uh, the Eclipse the black and red one is 34.99 and the Star Scavenger is 49.99 so um, pretty big ships pretty good um, there's also uh, the Clone Wars uh, Turbo Tank, which comes with, uh, looks like, Luminara and Dilly and Quinlan Voss as well. Uh, there's also a Clone Commando, a Clone Trooper, and also a uh, Trade Federation droid there as well. Uh, so it looks like five in there. Uh, could actually be six. There could be two droids. Um, the picture's a bit ambiguous there. Um, but yeah, so that clone tank is uh, £99.99. Um, so again, some uh, really good sets. That one's actually quite massive, uh, and it's got a handle on the top where you can uh, move it around uh, the floor as well. So that's all good. Uh, there we go. Also coming to uh, Argos uh, is the long-awaited uh, Lego Force Awakens game uh, which will be released on the 28th of June and if you do buy this from Argos you'll receive a free BB-8 bag now I think this is just going to be uh, one of those plasticky kind of PE swim bags um, but still exclusive and pretty funky business is a business huh? <laughs> So there's also some sales to look out for currently as well. Um, so Argos have their new half-price sale, a uh, big red sale, another one. Um, there's actually a few Star Wars items in there. Uh, there's some good ones actually, uh, Rebels vehicles from $12.99 for instance. Um, it looks like they also didn't get the memo about the hysterical uh, Candice Chewbacca mask incident uh, which occurred on social media earlier this month as well uh, as it looks like the mask is actually in the sale for $24.99 although to be honest uh, I don't remember it being much more than this previously anyway so maybe they did actually get the memo and it's just a marketing ploy using the RRP. In light of Disney Infinity being thrown to the side, um, these figures uh, pretty much everywhere are slowly coming down in price. So originally they were something like £15 each or more, um, and then slowly they've gone into 2 for 15 um, 2 for 10 in some cases. Uh, they're kind of around 6 99 each though. Uh, the light effects ones are also included in the price reductions as well. Um, so if you are missing any, now is the best time to go out and have a look for them because obviously they'll still have the big range and they'll be trying to get rid of them all. So they will be gone soon, I am sure of it. Um, so do get out there and grab all of those. I myself have grabbed all of the Star Wars ones, so I'm pretty happy with myself. Um, okay. Okay, so we've also got the toyshop.com or the entertainer shops. Uh, they've also had some price cuts to their Star Wars range as well. So be sure to check out their website and also in the stores as well. Anything else? Yes, there is always a little bit more to share. And this time it's to spread the word on a Kickstarter campaign. So for you lightsaber builders and also 
new fans which want a quick way into custom lightsabers. Um, previously, if you wanted a lightsaber, you had to look across the pond for a jewel-worthy lightsaber. Um, however, there's a great guy on Kickstarter asking for pledges to start his own custom saber parts shop right here in the UK. Impressive. Now these will be parts uh, to build a working lightsaber. Most impressive. And there's several tiers depending on your budget. And if you want just a hollow hilt, um, which you can add light and sound to later, then that's no problem at all. Um, and it also ranges up to just light and also light and sound. So if the Kickstarter is successful, pledgers will be able to choose from an array of parts, which include 15 emitters, nine pommels, 15 main bodies and 15 extension pieces so you will be able to see all of these in the FAQ section as well so don't forget to have a look there for all of these parts so you can see them before you actually get them. This is a huge deal uh, for UK Sabre enthusiasts as it means no more import tax, quicker delivery and also a lower cost on the whole as well. So please guys, let's make this happen. I know what saber I want already. So just search for Euro Sabers on Kickstarter and make your pledge today. They are available for the UK and uh, the Europe guys as well. So it's that time again and we've hit the end of this month's episode. Thanks again for all of your kind words. Do keep sending me those emails. Um, we do all appreciate on the Galaxy of Toys Network if you could provide a review on iTunes. It really helps us to understand how we're doing. Obviously, do share as well on Twitter as well as Facebook, uh, wherever you can. And once again, thanks goes out to the creator and performer of the opening and closing theme, Rays of Luminescence by Luminous Monsters. Again, you can catch them on YouTube. So we'll see you again next month. May the force be with you. Laters.